0: You're listening to the New Life Church Podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. It is so good to be back in the pulpit. I love the break. I love the sabbatical. I love to, to take a breath, but man, by the time it's over, I'm preaching to the dog. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm a preacher, preacher going preach. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's so good to be back in the pulpit. And uh, I want to thank pastor Tyler and pastor JB. They did a fantastic job. But I love to preach, and it's because I love God's Word. I love God's Word. And to be honest with you, that's really the foundation and the baseline for today's message. It's the importance of believing, not just listening to or knowing, but believing God's Word. Believing what it says about you and about me. It's not an easy book. I mean, sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's uh, uh, violent. Sometimes it's, it's just enlightening. Sometimes it's revelatory and painful when, when we peel back what, what we need to work on and challenging. But every time it's life-changing. Can I get an amen? Come on. It's life-changing when we really study and know and believe the Word of God. But it's so important that we, that we do believe what it says about us because we are bombarded daily from every angle in this world that would try to label you Hollywood, social media, friends, enemies, parents without realizing it, teachers, coaches, We're, every direction we are labeled And some of these labels begin in childhood. And some of these labels, good or bad, begin to stick. And then as the labels stick, they begin to accumulate over time. And as they accumulate, they begin to define who we are and how we live our lives, how we see life. But here's the deal. I want you to hear me. These labels are not who you are. These labels are simply a snapshot in time of something you may have done or didn't do or something you said or something that happened to you that somehow stuck. And the enemy would have you to believe these false versions of you. He wants you to embrace them. He wants you to believe these false labels because he knows if you do, it will lead you down the wrong path. It will keep you from your true purpose in Christ and true joy in the Holy Spirit. But today we're gonna expose his lies with the truth of the word of God. Somebody give him praise if you're ready for that. Come on. Now, this message is for everyone in the room. And by the way, did any of y'all tell you that 930 service wasn't supposed to be this full? What happened? Come on. Thank God for that. Yes, we're looking at having to do a third service, but let's cross that bridge. And let me get through the sermon first. Okay. I understand it's a good problem to have. God is moving in our church. This message is for everyone. But I especially wrote it for our students, our elementary school students, our middle school students, and our high school students in mind. Students, today is dedicated to you. It's for you. I was thinking about you. I was praying about you. So this morning, we're going to talk a few minutes about defining our identity defining our identity, and I hope you understand I'm talking about more than your first name and your last name. I'm talking about more than your social security number and how the government defines you and identifies you. We're going to go deeper than that today. Students, look at me. If you're a student in the room, I want you to look at me. I want you to focus in. I know it's hard sometimes. I want you to focus in, I want you to engage, I want you to take notes, I want you to receive what the Holy Spirit would have for you today. Let's pray and then we'll jump into the content. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this beautiful day in the Lord that we have together. Right now I ask that Holy Spirit, you would help to focus our hearts on you and on your word. I pray that you would anoint me, but get my personality and my thoughts out of the way. And let your spirit take over and anoint this time. Let your word become powerful and prophetic, life-changing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Now, this is this is different today, okay? This is different. But I need a couple of elementary school students who are very brave to come and help me. Probably fourth or fifth grade, maybe, maybe, maybe oh, I'll take a third grader. Raise your hand if, if you're in. Elementary school students, right there. Come on, buddy, right there. And let me get a girl right here. Come on. No. She's like, are you crazy, grandpa? Right, right here. She's coming. Come on ahead. I see you. I see you. Come on up here, guys, because of the cameras. I can't come down the floor. Yeah. All right. You guys are awesome. What's your name? Tyler. T- Tyler. Good name. What's your name? Nora, awesome. Give it up for Tyler and Nora. Now, this may be difficult because you may not have learned about this yet, but I want you to each guess how long you think this piece of wood is in inches. Ten. Ten inches. That's a good guess. Come on. Nora, how long do you think it is? You want a different guess, or do you want to go with 10? ten? I need you to do a different guess. <laughs> ten and eleven, eleven. 11. <laughs> Come on, yes. <laughs> They're actually both very good guesses. Let's find out how long it really is. What is this? A measuring tape. A measuring tape. All right. Everybody know what a measuring tape is? It's the same everywhere, right? Let's see what. Let's see what it is. Can you read that? 13 inches. 13 inches and one-eighth. 13 inches, a little math lesson today. 13 inches and one-eighth. You both guessed very close. So guess what? You're both going to be rewarded with a little green back right here. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Woo! Come on, <laughs> never knew you were going to come to church and get paid. That's enough for some ice cream or a half of a Starbucks. All right, <laughs> 13 and one eighth. I used to, when I came out of uh, college, I for, a few, for a few, about a year, I was on a framing crew and I, every now and then I was the cut man. And can you imagine if, they were up on the house and they called down a measurement and I went to the, to the piece of plywood or the two by four and I went like they did and then cut that and they would, I, how long would I last on that job site? About a minute, right? They're like, you, you got to use the tape measure to cut the correct length. Why? Because the tape measure is our standard for measurement. It's the same here in Atlanta as it is in California. Maybe, I don't know what they're doing out there. It's the same. That's a bad example. I'm sorry if you're from California. It's the same here as it is anywhere in the world. An inch is an inch is an inch. It's a standardized measurement. We've all agreed upon it. It's the standard. The reason I did this was because we need to understand that the word of God is our standard for living. It's our standard to understand absolute truth. Just as we use the tape measure to build something physical, we use the word of God to be our standard for building our lives. This book is true for every person, every culture, every background, every person. I took the time for that because it's really the foundation for the whole message The foundation for this message is that we believe what the word of God says as a reliable, 100% true source from God himself. If we don't believe that, we males just go to Cracker Barrel right now and have some sweet tea, which is a great idea, but we can't because I gotta preach, okay? So look at the screen. If we don't embrace a standard, we will never be able to define our identity. If we don't embrace a standard, if we don't believe in absolute truth, we will not be able to define who we are. And as Christians, even as Christians, we will be just as confused as everybody else. I have a friend in the church who works in HR, way up high as an executive in a a large company that you would know. And he, he sent me a graphic. He knew what I was gonna be preaching. And he sent me a graphic of what he has to navigate in this area, political correctness and just all of this stuff, what he has to try to navigate on a daily basis. Can I see that? This is what he does for a living, having to try to figure out. This is how people identify age, ethnicity, gender expression, geographic location, introvert, personalities, language or accent, (laughs) you know, that's important to us in the South, (laughs) management status, military experience, nationality, whether they're parents or not, physical abilities, physical appearance, profession, their work, their race, their relationship status. There, oh, we got one at least. The, their, their religion, the spiritual affiliation, and right next to that is sexual orientation and work location. Can you, I, we need to pray for this brother who is working in this environment every single day as a believer and trying to navigate this. But this is what we're up against, and this is only the tip of the iceberg. I believe this is one of the most critical subjects in the modern Christian era. There's so much false Information being crammed down our throat and being thrown at our kids that it's becoming absurd. Absurd. And it's time for the church of the living God to stand up and be the church, call it out, and (laughs) confront it with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. Now, here's what's happening. We've all been wired by God to search for meaning, to search for purpose, to search for who we are. That's how he created us. But here's the deal. When we look to any other source than God himself revealed in his word, when we look to any other source, we are in danger of being out of his will, out of his pleasure, out of his favor, and out of his blessing. Do you follow me? Now this isn't new. This isn't new. This isn't new with our woke society. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. This is the same thing that Satan threw at Adam and Eve. Here God had created them perfect, given them a perfect environment. They didn't have to labor. They didn't have to work. Yeah. Everything was provided for them. The animals got along. They didn't have to worry about closing their eyes and being eaten by a lion. They could sit with the lion and and, and enjoy everything in nature and each other. And God said, because he didn't want robots and because he wanted free will, just don't eat from the This one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. He's saying, always come to me, not any other source. We know the story. We know what happened. Adam and Eve rejected what God said about them. Here's the point, and it's a quote from Paul David Tripp. You may have heard of him. He says, wherever you look for identity will then exercise, listen, rulership over your heart. And in doing so will direct the way you live your life. I got to repeat that. There's a lot there. Let's break it down. He says, wherever you look, whatever source you go to, To find your identity, will that source, whatever it is, will eventually rule your heart and affect everything in your life. Is this a big deal? You better believe it. You better believe it. Adam and Eve were led astray by the serpent because they were looking, listen, horizontally for what only could be found vertically. Their disobedience was a rejection of their identity as a creation of almighty God. Now this led to confusion and it led to sin and it basically led to the spiritual battleground that we face now every single day of our lives. Can I get an amen or an oh me on that one? We know. And since that moment, since the fall, people have been looking horizontally for what can only be found vertically. And we're all guilty. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all looked to the wrong source at one time or the other. Come on, we ask the world to provide what only Christ can give. Now, this world can be beautiful. This world can offer some amazing experiences. This life, come on. Last Saturday, y'all, last Saturday, Some of y'all know where I'm going. Some of you don't. My oldest daughter was married and we were out and they put up this curtain and we were right up against that curtain. And when the music hit the right moment, that curtain was pulled back and she was on my arm and the mountains opened up and everybody was looking back at us. And I'm telling you, time stood still and everything came into extreme focus for me. It's a, it's a, it's a watershed moment. This world, come on. And the people in it can be amazing, but some things only God can give us. And when it comes to our identity, if we look to any other source, we're in trouble. It's devastating. And here's what I mean. If you work, your job sometimes eventually becomes your career, but if it becomes your identity, if your work, especially you men and not all men, but especially to our men here, if your work becomes your identity, what happens when you're not doing that job anymore? What happens if you lose that job? What happens when you retire? What happens if the economy tanks and you're, you, you don't have that job? What happens when you aren't that guy anymore? You're left with nothing. Your job is not your identity. Your marriage, those of you who are married, that's one of the most significant, if not the most significant human relationship that we can have in this life. But if your marriage becomes your identity, you are asking your spouse to feel something that only Christ can fill, and it will eventually end badly. Your body is so important. We need to take care of our body. But if how you look, teenagers, If how you look is your identity, what happens when you don't look that way anymore? What happens if you're injured? What happens when you age and things begin to shift and move unexplainably? And never return. Come on, if your identity is wrapped up in how you look, listen, your joy will constantly be in jeopardy. Especially to the teenagers, listen to me, your talents, your giftings, your abilities are wonderful and they are gifts from God. Whether it's in sports or academics or both, they're important and we need to do our best no matter what we're doing, we need to do our best. That's biblical, we need to do our best at whatever it is. But if your talent, if your gifting, if your academic, if your friend group, whatever it is becomes your identity, that's your source, you will one day be left with nothing. Because none of these things that I've mentioned and there's tons more will last. None of them stand up against a lifetime of change. and a lifetime of battles and a lifetime of trial. Here's what I'm trying to say. Look at the screen. Only God, only God, say only God, only God has the authority to create my identity. Only God, only God has that authority. Come on, I can identify nowadays as anything I want to. That's the hot button thing, right? I can identify as anything I want to because our woke society has backed us into a relativistic corner. I can identify as a woman and you can't say anything because we have backed ourselves into this corner. But just because I identify as a woman does not make it true. Come on, wait, wait, I can identify as a tree and you can't say anything. As dumb as that is, this society can't say anything because you gotta get this, in the absence of truth, confusion and absurdity will follow. And was, what's, what's so ironic is that we're told this is the only way to be free, right? Oh, your truth. It's your truth, that's, that's how you find freedom. You be you and me be me, your truth, my truth. Don't mess with my truth, your truth is your. The problem is if I have a truth and you're having truth, nobody's got truth. There is no truth. And that's not being free, that's being bound. Come on, freedom is found in having a covering of grace and mercy and goodness and faithfulness and favor from almighty God. John 8, 36 says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Come on, God alone, say God alone. God alone has the right to create my identity because I am his creation and his word alone is my source for that truth. Proverbs says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God help us. How, I don't know how people navigate without this. So what does God say about your identity? What does God say about who you are? Well, first, even if you're here today or watching online and you haven't received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't received and confessed your sin and received him, God has some powerful things to say even about you. Because every, well, let me just read it. Genesis 1, then God said, let us make human beings. Let us, what is, what, us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in our image. Notice it said, human beings, not trees, not apes. Human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. This means that every human that has ever lived or will ever live carries inside of them the very image of almighty God. Come on, hallelujah. That means, look, human life cannot be compared to that of any other living thing. That's why protecting the life of the unborn is at a different level than protecting or saving the whales or protecting a species that's endangered. Those things are important, but they're not on the same level. So on the most basic level, your identity as a human being puts you in a very special place and God sees you as the most valuable created being on the planet. Now that's good, but if you're in Christ, there's a whole nother level. If you know Jesus, if you've decided to follow him, I'm not saying you're perfect, I'm saying you've made a decision to go after Christ and to live for him and to be forgiven of your sins, there's a whole nother level. Ephesians 1, 3, Paul says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why, Paul? Because we are united with Christ. So everything that I'm about to read or say is because we are united with Christ. Are you following? Verse four says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. This is what I want you to hear. And without fault, say that, without fault in his eyes. Without fault, say it again. Without fault. In his, are you without fault today? In his eyes. Now we're going to camp out here just a second. Because teenagers, listen to me. This is a huge part of this message. If you don't hear anything else I say today, every one of you hear me with this point. Your struggle is not your identity. I'm going to let it sink just a second. Your struggle. That thing that you battle. That thing that keeps rising up, that drives you crazy. Romans 7, Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. That's the thing I'm talking about. We've all faced it. We all go through those battles. We all have those things that keep trying to come back, that keep trying to take our victory. But that struggle is not who I am. And that struggle is not who you are. That's not your identity. The devil, the devil wants to label you with that thing for the rest of your life. The world wants you to celebrate it. The world wants you to be proud of it. But those ideologies will lead away from God. Your struggle is not your identity. With God, all things are possible. With God, there is a path to freedom, a path to joy, a path to victory. Now time out. So make sure you hear this. I'm not saying you have a license to sin. I'm not saying we sweep the struggle under the rug. I'm not saying that we don't deal with it or confront it. But what I am saying is that if you are in Christ... If you belong to him, God doesn't, listen, listen. God doesn't look down from heaven and identify you with your struggle. Because of the blood of Jesus, all he sees is the blood. And when he looks down from heaven, he doesn't see your struggle. He doesn't identify you with your pain and your struggle and your sin. He identifies you with Jesus Christ. And you are a son, you are a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. that's who you are. Maybe your struggle is fear. Mom, you're just afraid all the time. Maybe your struggle is anxiety or depression. Maybe it's greed. Maybe your struggle is lust or pornography. Maybe your struggle is same sex attraction. Maybe your struggle is a food disorder. Maybe your struggle is anger. Maybe your struggle is an addiction. Obviously, unfortunately, the list of human struggles go on. This sermon isn't about that. But can I give you what could be a life-changing point? Listen carefully. We overcome our struggles through confession, not concession. In other words, we don't give up. We don't concede and be like, well, this is just who I am. how God made me. We don't give up. We don't give in. We take the power away from that thing through confession. Pastor, you're crazy. You think I'm going to tell somebody else my deepest, darkest secret? You think I'm going to tell somebody else my struggle for them to blab it? You better choose wisely. You choose someone that you can trust who knows Jesus. And James five sixteen says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. No, you don't blab it to somebody who's going to put it on social media. You don't even need to be hanging with somebody like that. Now you go to somebody who you can trust to confess. And here's what happens when we confess. And when we're prayed for, it takes the power and the grip of that thing off. It loosens it. And suddenly there's hope. And suddenly there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's skip to verse 12 of Ephesians 1. God's purpose was that the Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, that's us, have also heard the truth. That's what we're talking about. The good news that God saved you. And when you believed, he identified, there's our word, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Everybody repeat this after me. When I believed in Christ, he identified me as his own. What does that mean? <laughs> I'm glad you asked second Corinthians five 17. It means your identity is a new creation. First Peter two nine. It says you are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. John 15 five. It says you're a friend of Jesus. In John 1.12, it says you're a child of God. In Romans 8.16, it says you are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That means everything that he's getting, you're getting and I'm getting. Colossians 3.3 says you are hidden with Christ. Galatians 3.26 says you are sons and daughters of God. Philippians 3.30 says we are citizens of heaven. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says we are members of the body of Christ. I don't know how people Make it without the church. I don't know how people make it without a community of believers together. You belong. You belong. That's who we are in Christ. First Corinthians six nineteen. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians two ten says we are God's workmanship. That means we are His masterpiece. Come on, somebody. And in Romans eight one, I love this one. It's my favorite. It says we are not guilty. Come on, somebody. Give him praise. <clears throat> That's who you are. Students, did you hear me? That's who you are. Not what the enemy would say. Not what the world would say. The truth, the absolute truth of the gospel defines who we are. And it's all wrapped up. In Jesus Christ. Now everyone listen to me because I'm done. I'm not saying that we don't celebrate our diversity. Today I'm looking out on white faces and black faces and brown faces. I'm not saying we don't celebrate our background, our culture our giftings, our passions, all of those things. God did it on purpose. Psalm 139 tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not another person like you on this planet. It's probably a good thing. I'm landing the plane. I'm giving you the big idea. I want you to get this. God doesn't want to remove your identity, He wants to redeem it. God doesn't want to remove your identity, He wants to redeem it. He's a redeemer. All the history, come on, all the false labels, all the lies the good, the bad, and the ugly of who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Jesus wants to redeem it all for his glory and for your freedom. Give God praise. Come on. Please bow your heads. We're going to take communion in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanna give those who are in the room that have never received grace and forgiveness for their sins, the opportunity to do that. It's okay. If you've never prayed that prayer and received Christ and you want a new identity in him this morning, come on, raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out, I'm not gonna call you down. Say, I want my identity in Christ alone. Raise your hand. Amen. Who else? Who else? Who else? Amen. Amen. I want everyone to repeat this prayer. If you're here this morning and you pray this with a genuine heart, God is gonna give you a new identity right now. Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life. I invite you. Please forgive me of all my sin. Please cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Apply the blood of your dear Son. I receive it now. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive forgiveness. And I receive a new identity in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God praise for four or five people that. How many need an element? How many need communion? that want to participate raise your hand to keep it up until somebody comes to you. Most of you got it on the way in. Keep it up until you're served, please. Just hold that, don't, don't, partic- don't, don't take it yet. I want you to listen to me about something. I, I was studying about communion in the Last Supper this past week, and I found something I've never seen before. I never saw this before. Of course, we know that the disciples were together with Jesus celebrating Passover, right? It was the Passover Seder. It was the Passover meal. Of course, Jesus made it something very new and very different. But something I had never considered before, and I want you to hear me, Passover was very special, a very special occasion, like even more so than our Thanksgiving, okay? Even more so than our Christmas or anything like that. This was like major. And here's the deal. They always, always celebrated it as a family. But here they were, these men with Jesus, they didn't have their families They had each other. And what Jesus was instituting was the beginning of his body, the church. So what I want you to understand is that as we celebrate this, we belong to a family of God united in the name of Jesus Christ. Here, it's not about being a denomination. It's not about being a political party. It's not about any of those things. It's about being in Christ and one together. That's what we're celebrating. If you're struggling today, you feel alone. You need, as you take this, you need to receive the promise and the grace that this only, that only this provides. We are a family, red, yellow, black and white. We are a family. He took the bread. He blessed it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of what I'm about to do for you. Break the bread and take it, please. Then he took the cup at the end. The juice is red. It represents the blood of Jesus that was shed so that we could be free of sin, so that we could be one with Christ. The blood of Jesus shed for you and I. Take and drink. If you were challenged and are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.